Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Whether you're a pastor or a lay leader in your local church, today's topic will be extremely helpful. Called to preach with power. And our guest, Dr. Benjamin Reeves. Ben, it is great to have you with us on the program today. It's a joy and a privilege for me. And you have a distinguished career as a teacher of preaching, as a pastor, as a university president, now as special assistant to the president of Adventist Health System for mission and ministry. That's correct. And for folks who don't know about Adventist Health System, that's 46 hospitals with 78,000 employees. Is that right? That is correct. That's a huge mission. Yes, it is. And you're serving 4.7 million Just people about. a year. So here you've got a wonderful opportunity. Now, I'd love to talk to you about that assignment, but you have flowing in your veins a passion for preaching the Word of God. That is true. And so I'm honored that we can talk in this program about called to preach with power. And I'd like to start by asking you when you first sensed the call to preach. I, I first sensed the call when I was a student at uh, Pine Forge Academy in Pennsylvania. Still a teenager. Still a teenager. It's interesting that that was when I, I sensed the call. But earlier years around the home church, others seemed to have sensed something. And uh, you would get the comments of, you're going to be a preacher, or the Lord wants you to be a preacher. And so that laid a little background, but as far as a personal focus, it was Pine Forge that uh, marked that. Some great preachers came out of that territory, and there were some good mentors there, too. Absolutely. Great preachers came out, and great preachers visited, running weeks of prayer, etc. And uh, it was a tremendous opportunity to observe. But I must say that in my early, early years, there was also that opportunity, and I really enjoyed and appreciated it. I didn't see myself going into ministry, but I enjoyed hearing the preached word, well-spoken, mm. and it, it, it really mattered to me. And then later on, of course, it had its effect. Now, we've all met people who have a lot of potential and may even be affirmed by others, but they never develop that potential. So I want to ask you a very practical question. How did you develop your potential as a preacher? Actually, the development, and it sounds a little strange, was not development toward being a preacher. The development was the development that came from a great love for the written word. I grew up in Harlem in New York City, and there was a library, the Mount Morris Park Library. My brothers and my sister, we spent hours at the library, and when we would leave, we would have armfuls of books. And it was there that I developed a great appreciation for a well-written phrase, and then in listening for a well-spoken phrase. That began to create a sense of communication and how important it could be. 
And that sort of marked my journey. And then as I got the call, I married the two. So this love for uh, a well-written phrase, a well-spoken phrase, yes. and now God is saying, I want to, you to use that passion, those gifts. Correct. In communicating the gospel message. Correct. And he had, he had, he had affirmed, you know how it is when you grow up around the church and um, people tend to ask you uh, repeatedly to be on a program and to recite a poem and so forth. And I did get many of those opportunities. Someone's watching and they're saying, well, I just watch television. I don't, uh, I don't read at all. Could I, could I accomplish the same goal of developing a love for words by watching the television, do you think? Uh, I think you can be helped. I don't think you can have the same impact. There is something about the written word and then hearing the written word as you are reading it and sounding it out that makes a difference. It's one thing for me to watch someone else who is speaking and, and appreciate that, and yes, but there's something about reading the written word, getting caught in the rhythm, it makes a difference. I've noticed I'm listening to an audio book right now. Sometimes I have to hit the little thing that points it back 30 seconds because when I'm reading, I could look at that phrase again. Correct. I could kind of weigh the phrase and appreciate it. Spoken word comes by one time unless you've got a rewind button. <laughs> so you're developing your potential. We're going to talk about the process of, of developing the sermon, but what were some of the challenges you faced as God was calling you to, to use this passion for a well-written, well-spoken word to communicate the gospel? What were some of the challenges? One, one of the challenges was why? Hmm. What's your motivation? Mm. Uh, is it because you see ministers in prime spotlight? Is that what's going on? Mm. What, what is this about? Or is there a real sense that God has something for you to do for him to his glory? And that should not be lightly considered. How long did it take you to get over that challenge of thinking, am I just doing this so I can be upfront to saying, God has put this in my heart? Actually, you said, get over it. <laughs> you never get over it. Mm. You need to always revisit yourself and your motivation. Mm. Sometimes, well, many times, we spend a lot of time working on a sermon, shaping, and the question is, why? Why so much effort put forward? Is it for the power of the word and its blessing to the hearer or? Attention to me. Yeah. After the break, we'll talk more about how we can craft a powerful message. But a word of caution, it's not about drawing attention to yourself. It's not about making a name for yourself. It's about communicating the good news of a God who loves us and has a plan to give us a future and a hope. After the break, we'll look more at Called to Preach with Power with our guest, Dr. Benjamin Reeves.
Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, called to preach with power. Our guest, Dr. Benjamin Reeves. Ben, thanks for sharing your own story and, and that caution about why am I doing this? And you say that, that should never go away. I, never. I should, no, no matter how effective a preacher becomes. In fact, maybe it's even more important then. We'll come to that later in the program. Let's talk about the journey from uh, text to sermon. Uh, that's assuming that we're biblical preachers, so we start with the text. Um, how does that journey uh, begin for you, and how does it unfold? Let me um, rephrase that just a bit, that the journey for me begins one of two ways. Either it begins with an idea that drives me to a text, okay. or it begins with a text that gives me an idea. Okay. But either way, as one scholar said, you have a text. If you don't have a text for ungrammatical emphasis, he said, what is you doing? <laughs> and, but there's power in that. Sure. Either way, start with a text, that gives you an idea or an idea that drives you to a text. Mm. So I, I <laughs> sense, for example, the need for healing in a community. That's, that's an idea. Absolutely. And then I, I, the Lord leads me to a text that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Right. So I allow that scripture in Psalm 147 to unfold and to speak to that, to that issue. And then part of that process is also making sure that the text that you go to says what you are saying it says. Right, so you're not eisegeting the Correct. text or reading into the text what you want to say. Correct. Doing violence to the yes. text. Especially if you think you've got a great idea. Yes. Oh, the temptation is to kind of <laughs> make the text fit the idea. And if the idea is sound, you will find a biblical oh, basis. yes. may yes. need a little work. How, how early in the process, typically, uh, a preaching appointment comes on the weekend. How, how early in the process do I need to settle that, that passage that's going to provide the foundation for my message? I would say the earlier, the better. It doesn't always happen that way. But uh, by midweek, you ought to have a sharp sense. And I tend to use some of the phrases that are common to H. Grady Davis. Mm -hmm. Um, noted homiletician, you, you, you should have a sense at that point about what it is you are talking about and what you're saying about it. Mm -hmm. Davis identifies those as the structural questions. Right. And uh, by midweek, you need to have that. Now, what that does for you is it sharpens the focus so that in your research, you're not just reaching out getting material, piling it on the desk. Well, maybe this will work, maybe that will work. No, no. It's a focused, focused. search. Mm -hmm. And it can make all the difference in the movement of your progress mm. in preparing the sermon. So this idea, I, I know there are emergencies, but if your habit is uh, preparing the night before or on the way to church, uh, you, you're not going to have that time for that to settle. Oh, absolutely not. And I used to be quite uh, intense about that, I would tell ministers in workshops, you're paid to take the time mm. to prepare. 
Mm -hmm. So when you say, well, I don't have time, let's take a look at that. That's why you are paid. Of course, you don't do it for pay, but you are paid. And with the use of media today, even streaming uh, online, you can speak not only to the few hundred in your congregation, but to 20, 50,000 people. You never know what an appointment or a sermon will do. Mm -hmm. For instance, I spoke in California at a gathering. I was not aware of it, but someone taped the sermon. Later on, that person sent that tape to preaching for today. Mm. They made it part of their preaching club. Later on, <laughs> preaching for today shared that tape with the Chicago Sunday Evening Club. Mm. Out of that, for 21 years, I've been a featured speaker on the Chicago Sunday Evening Club. So anytime you preach or prepare, do it like it really matters. Yes, and it does. Yes. Now, I know that words are important. And you said no matter how skilled you become, you, you, know, you always stay humble. What about writing a manuscript? There are some people that say when you write a manuscript, it sounds like a chapter in a book. You should just have an outline. Don't, don't worry so much about the details. There are others who say, no, a manuscript's crucially important, but should be written in an oral style. Uh, talk to me about the importance of a manuscript from your perspective. Well, I would start with first, the writing of a manuscript forces you to employ all of your literary skills. When you don't have that process of writing, you don't realize how limited your off-the-cuff vocabulary is. Mm. But when you write and you can look back over as you have referenced, mm -hmm. you begin to see, oh my goodness, I'm using that word a, a thousand times. Mm -hmm. Sounds like that's the only word I know. <laughs> but writing the manuscript gives you a chance to expand your linguistic arsenal. And how do I make sure, I remember one time one of my sons came after a sermon and said, it sounded like they just read a chapter from a book. Uh, and there are other people, but they write a manuscript like it's a living conversation. How, how do you do that? Is it a certain thought pattern in your mind? It is a thought pattern, and it is also a discipline of writing for the ear. Mm. And that, in part, comes not just with writing, but also experiencing the, sp the speaking of the words, the rhythm of the words. Mm. That is very important. Uh, after the break, we want to talk about how to move from a well-crafted manuscript into a powerful sermon. But um, some people take the manuscript with them and, and kind of internalize it and partly read it. Others, um, they leave it, but they've written it. I, I, is it just what works for you? What, what do you think? Well, absolutely. Uh, what works for you, but also what communicates to the people. So listen to the feedback, and after the break, we'll talk about how to learn from people, because ultimately, the manuscript's not the final product, is it? No. It, it's a powerful sermon. This is helpful. By the way, we have a, a free book we want to give to, to those of you who write into us at ministryinmotion.tv, which will give you some more insights about Call to Preach with Power. But after the break, how do you move from a well-crafted sermon manuscript to a powerful sermon? We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion.
Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, called to preach with power. Our guest, Dr. Benjamin Reeves. And Ben, it's just been exciting to talk to you. I feel like I'm learning again the importance of writing for the ear, mm -hmm. uh, uh, well-crafted phrases. And, and you emphasize the importance of a manuscript where you can go back and look, see if you're kind of carelessly repeating words rather than uh, maybe not illustrating something. Uh, but we've got to move from the manuscript to a powerful sermon. What, what's the process for that? Well, it, uh, it might follow this sort of sequence that when once you have written that manuscript, and I'm, I'm very strong on that, write the manuscript, then some suggest you may want to consider the idea of an oral brief where you talk through the manuscript without looking at the manuscript to give yourself a sense of what you might carry orally into the pulpit. Others, and this is probably where I come down, either you take in preaching notes based on the manuscript, mm -hmm. or you may take just a one sheet with a few texts mm -hmm. or nothing at all but it's really not nothing at all no. because what you're really taking is all of the work that's gone on before in writing, processing, reviewing, and then marrying as part of your being the spoken word. I had a history teacher. He, he used to allow students to take a, a, one sheet of paper into the exam. He figured if they had organized their thoughts and had uh, um, understood the material, that was just like a little cue for them. You can't write everything down on the paper. So you wouldn't scold a, a pastor or a preacher who's, who said, I'm, I'm going to take a, a few notes up with me. Absolutely not. Absol in fact, I might commend him depending on what he did with those few notes. If that, that was took. his only or her only preparation. Then we've got a problem. I like that oral brief. Some have described this internalization process like a tour guide mm -hmm. walking and pointing out the main uh, uh, moves of the sermon. So, so I'm obviously wanting to do that uh, before the morning of, of preaching the sermon. Absolutely. You, early on, you've got to get, again, we back all the way up, a clear sense of what is it I'm talking about and what am I saying about it? And once you get that focused, you can even back off for a day because the mind will continue to work mm -hmm. to generate ideas and material. And you'll find yourself, as I like to say, putting meat on the bones. So illustrations may come because you know what your main you idea is. You know where you're going. Okay. You know what you want to say. And uh, doing that then enables you to, if you want to make the move from written, having written the manuscript, then moving into the pulpit with either notes or no notes, the writing is crucial. It's crucial. Was there um, a process that you worked to develop that um, oral interpretation, that, that enthusiasm, the gesturing? Did, did someone teach you how to do that? Did you watch great preachers? Yes, watching. But also, again, I'm, I'm a big proponent of be who you are. Okay. Now, just because certain preachers have certain gestures, fits them, may not fit you. 
So don't, don't, don't buy into that. But you do want the freedom to be and do who you are. And actually, that adds to the credibility of the spoken word for the hearer. I found that good preparation uh, increases your freedom because you're not scrambling and panicking. You've got a clear idea and clear moves, and so you can focus more on effective delivery. And it allows you to give the congregation the sense that you are on your way somewhere mm. and you know where you're going. And it's not one of those Jericho sermons, you know, round and around and around and around until, well, maybe the walls will come down. Right, or collapse. Yes. Uh, you, you have been honored as a great preacher. Uh, you have trained many great preachers. You've also been clear about a danger that can come as you become more effective uh, in your preaching. What is that danger? Yeah. It's an insidious danger. It's the danger of drinking the Kool-Aid mm. or believing the PR. And you begin to think that somehow this is about you and what you can do. And that danger really surfaces when you are at a point of prominence. Mm. And people will say, oh, I just, oh, you're, you're the greatest ever. You know, and uh, the danger is that you begin to believe it and then the Lord senses you believe it. And sometimes the Lord will say, well, if that's what you think, you take the sermon, go. Let's see what you can do. Mm. I've experienced it. So humble yourself under <laughs> the mighty hand of God. Yeah, what's the illustration? Go up in the pulpit the way you came down mm. and you could have come down the way you went up. Mm. Staying humble before God. Staying humble before God. This is his enterprise. It's our privilege. Amen. Amen. If you've been blessed by some of the insights today called to preach with power, we have a special gift for you. Uh, in this book, Powerful Biblical Preaching, Practical Pointers from Master Preachers, one of the interviews is with Dr. Benjamin Reeves. There are more insights that can help you. If you would like to continue to grow to preach with power, stay humble in the process. We have 25 copies of this book. We'll send one. If you're the first request from your country, you can write to us at feedback at ministryinmotion.tv. We do that because if it airs first on the Pacific Rim, we don't want to send all 25 there and none to other parts of the world. So if you're watching right now, send an email to feedback at ministryinmotion.tv. Give us your address. Say, I'd like to continue to learn how to preach with power. And thank you, Dr. Benjamin Reeves, for challenging us today. It's been a blessing. And I know that this uh, message, this program will bless many hearts. My joy to be with you and with your viewers and your listeners. Thanks again for joining us for Ministry in Motion. God's called you to be a great Christian leader. Learn what you've heard today and live it for the honor of the Lord.